Hey everybody, welcome back. I have a bunch of recordings in the queue right now, so there are a lot of podcasts uh, coming down the pipeline, just need to edit them, but there's been this really interesting theme in a couple of them and also um, just kind of outside in my real life, I guess you could say, of choosing joy over fear and that obviously especially applies to miscarriage, pregnancy after miscarriage, even just thinking about trying again. So I thought I would share that. Maybe that resonates with someone today uh, just to really make a conscious effort to choose joy over fear in every moment whenever possible. The guest today is Laramie and she had two miscarriages in 2017 that she is going to detail for us and share all about the journey but she also has a rainbow baby that was just born this past April in 2019. So she had some really good insight on having a full-term pregnancy after miscarriage as well. I think you guys will get a lot out of this, and as always, thank you so much for your support and for listening. I hope this brings you a little corner of healing and a little bit of peace. Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. I need your help. Let's take this community to the next level. Here's what you can do. Number one, if you like this podcast, please hit pause and take a few seconds to rate it on iTunes. Number two, donate through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Number three, share your story. Go to calendly.com slash Melissa Whitman to schedule a time to chat with me. Or number four, join our Patreon page for over 30 more episodes you can't find anywhere else as well as exclusive content. Patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash miscarriage. All the details are linked in the show notes. Enjoy the episode and thanks for tuning in. So Laramie, 2017 was a tough year for you with two miscarriages in the second half of the year. Tell me about that. So my husband and I spent about eight years um, working on our careers and talking about our future family. And then in 2016, we decided let's go for it and let's actually try to have a family. Um, and then my husband got stationed in South Korea. And so we had to wait another year and we're very impatient. <laughs> um, but especially once back, you decide, yeah, once you decide you oh. want the baby right then. <laughs> but when he came back, we started trying and immediately got pregnant. And so that part of our journey was never hard. We were able to get pregnant fairly easily, which I feel very fortunate about. Um, and just over the moon excited. That moment where you see the positive pregnancy test is just so much joy and surprise and got this whole future ahead of you. Um, and my pregnancy, the early part of the pregnancy was normal. I started feeling symptoms. Um, but 
Um, so we were getting close to our eight-week appointment um, where we would, for the first time, establish care with our doctor and um, uh, have the ultrasound. And I remember uh, having this conversation with my husband. I wanted to go register for all the baby stuff and he said, well, let's wait, let's wait, you know, it's still early. And so we were being very mature and realistic about things, but even then I was so naive to how hugely life-changing it is to start on this journey to motherhood. Like even at the very beginning, it changes your life and you don't even know. Um, mm -hmm. So we waited, um, but even being realistic, it, it hit us really hard. So, um, I guess I should just go into the story now. So, um, so you we, go to this appointment, right? Uh, to, you had well, been so thinking everything's before, normal. Yeah. So actually the day before, um, I was sitting at work, um, and I felt this twinge in my lower belly and there was no way for me to know that something was wrong, but my heart just immediately started racing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I just told myself, oh, you know, you're being paranoid. So I sat there for a little bit longer, but then I felt some wetness. And so I went to the bathroom and sure enough, there was blood in my underwear. And it, was it wasn't bright? a lot. It, no, it was, it was brown. Oh, okay. So, so they could say lot. that's old. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I immediately call my husband. I'm panicking, but he says, you know, this is normal which I know as well, it's normal. You can have spotting this early and nothing could be wrong, but how about you come home? So go home, we run some errands to kind of distract, but I am increasingly feeling crampy and just fatigued and still bleeding a little bit. Um, but nothing huge happened until the middle of that night and I woke up with extreme pain oh. and just huge... Um, just really big cramps, like really painful, um, more painful than any period that I had before. Um, and I just remember thinking, oh, it's happening. This is real. This is happening. It's, this is a miscarriage. And coincidentally, the next morning was our eight week appointment. So mm -hmm. we kept it and just went and, uh, went in and said, actually where we think we're miscarrying right now and the clinic and the staff were very compassionate and very competent to diagnose what was happening but uh very just it felt like they were out of their league to know how to advise me and how to treat the situation so that added to some awkwardness um, they went ahead with the vaginal ultrasound and the baby was still there and it's hard in some ways, but I feel kind of lucky that I got to see that baby, yeah. um, with the ultrasound, but there was no heartbeat and it measured at six weeks, not eight weeks. So okay. they thought, you know, I had died, um, stopped developing and which was another just, so I'm, I have a PhD in biology. I, um, 
studied reproductive biology, so... Oh, you know your stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I know, I know what's happening, and the yeah. thought of that embryo inside me for two weeks not growing, just, you know, layers of, of grief, I think, and sadness. Um, like a walking coffin. I remember just being yeah, so oh, like, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, walking just, coffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not even and, knowing. And how did I not know? And how did my mm. body not know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that ultrasound was um, really emotionally painful. Um, but again, the doctor was very gentle and compassionate. Okay. And I really appreciated him for that. Because it was obviously not a situation he was in very often. For a woman to walk in for a regular eight-week appointment and say, oh, actually, I think I'm miscarrying. Um, That was a hard appointment, I think, for everyone. Um, But what I wish the medical community... I mean, I, I can only speak to my personal experience, but it seems to me that the medical community isn't really equipped to give resources to women like me who walk in miscarrying Um, because I never was told this is what your body is going to go through the next couple days and I really wish they would have just told me and you you are going to have to pass this tissue and I wasn't even really given options because it was so early okay Um, so all the options that I've learned from listening to your podcast I didn't know at the time. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was just sent home and you'll be okay. This is, you know, statistically normal <laughs> is what I was told. Like this just happens, unfortunately. Um, no mention of like, there'll be increased bleeding. You'll pass tissue. You'll like nothing. I think they told me the bleeding part, um, okay. but not how long, not how much. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, what to do. Not yeah. What to do with it? What to do with when I pass the tissue? What yeah? yeah what is abnormal bleeding? I yeah. They didn't. No, wow. they didn't really go into it. So. Um, so yeah. So we went home, um, and the next morning. So I bled very heavily, continued to cramp and a lot of pain, uh, and then the next morning is when I passed the tissue. I. Um, I remember waking up just numb because of all the emotional roller coaster I'd just been on and just like numb. And I, I went into, I was also still feeling crampy and I decided to go into the bathroom and, um, I felt, um, as I was going, there's blood, but then I felt like there was something that was caught and I kind of bared down a little bit and that's mm-hmm. when the bulk of the tissue came out. There were mm-hmm. lots of blood clots before and after, but there was definitely one bulk of tissue and I I um as someone who knows reproductive biology and how embryos developed, I this may sound morbid, but I was very curious and I wanted to see um my baby. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so what did you do? I decided to scoop it up. <laughs> Yeah. I couldn't leave it in the toilet. And it was beautiful. Um, just the the branching of the placental tissue and the gestational sac. And, um, it's incredible. Life is amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, 
I was just amazed that of God's creation and mm-hmm. sad that it had to end, but amazed at it. And um, I wrapped it in a tissue and brought it out to my husband, um, and uh, we buried it together. Um, and that brought a little bit of closure, I think. Um, and later, um, after my second miscarriage, to kind of memorialize, we decided to, um, I have these rings that have not the birthstone, but the stone of when the babies were conceived. And for us, that symbolized a happy time, because thinking about when that baby would have been born um, is really tough. So instead of getting the color of the stone for the month they should have been born, we got the month that they were conceived. I love that. Um, Yeah, so I think that was a really special way to, you know, remember them. Um, So what was, so you passed it, it was in the morning, and you mm -hmm. passed the tissue, Mm -hmm. and then oftentimes the cramping will stop, or at least slow down. Did you experience Mm -hmm. that? It did slow down. I was surprised at... Um, I continued to have chunks of tissue, blood clots that came um, the rest of the day, and I think the next day, mm-hmm. and I was surprised at how much blood and oh and so <laughs> and much. how long, yeah, because yeah. it took like probably three weeks before it was completely over. I mean, it tapered off, obviously. It wasn't heavy bleeding the whole time, but I was very surprised at that. And even, you know, a couple weeks after, I would feel my uterus just felt funny, Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's I a think postpartum, it's, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now that I've had um, a full term baby, I, I understand that. Yeah, yes. that your body has to readjust and go back to, you know, pre pregnancy. Yeah. So, what was it like, based on your PhD education, learning about this, and then seeing it in front of you? Mm-hmm. What was that like? Because there's, you know, there's a textbook version and there's learning about it. And, you know, you said how it's amazing. It's an amazing Mm -hmm. creation. But Mm -hmm. what, I feel like you would have just had so much of a deeper knowledge looking at this precious little thing. Yeah. I specifically studied um, placental development. Okay. So that was, that part was really interesting to me. And part of the... I mean, there isn't a full-grown placenta at that point, but seeing the branching of that tissue around this jelly-like sac and the embryo inside that sac, um, yeah, being able to identify the different parts and having seen it on an ultrasound the day before and then having yes. it in my hand and um, knowing what each of those parts does, it, yeah, it was really fascinating to me um and I and it's weird to say but I do feel kind of lucky that I had that moment and it wasn't just a life that was in me and then just disappeared yeah you know I actually got to see it physically in my hand yeah take a moment to reflect Mm -hmm. and reverence Mm -hmm. beautiful so you bud for a while took about Mm -hmm. three weeks Mm -hmm. and what are the emotions like during this time complete devastation yeah for me and I didn't realize just how strongly bonded I was 
to that life Mm. and to the thought of being a mom. And I felt like a mom. I felt like it was taken from me and that I felt a lot of emptiness. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and personally, um, my faith was rocked. I felt anger towards God. I felt like he had given me something really good, something that I had been praying for for so long and then had taken it away. That's, that's how I viewed it. Um, which was really hard to wrestle with. And I also felt very isolated. I felt, um, like everyone was walking around on on eggshells around me. Um, and soon after we had a couple different family events and of course we, I told my close family and friends and it's very hard to explain to them in the same sentence, we were pregnant, but we lost the pregnancy because we hadn't, we hadn't announced to anyone yet. No one knew that we were pregnant. Um, and so it, that was really difficult to explain. And then no one knows how to (laughs) respond to that. It's very shocking to hear that. And, um, both pieces of the news are shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, you were pregnant. That's amazing. Oh, you lost it. How do I respond to that? Exactly. Um, and since I've learned that you, you have to share because people are only doing their best. And I found at least with my family that they they saw how closed off I was and they saw that as me protecting myself and okay maybe we need to participate in that and not bring it up you know maybe that's helpful for her to not bring it up when in reality it was hurtful to me it felt isolating when no one addressed the most traumatic event that I had ever been been through they were just acting like everything was normal um but since, you know, we've had amazing conversations between, like, my mom and I and, and other family members and come to the realization that, you know, maybe I was being selfish in thinking that they're not meeting me where I'm at. They're not saying the things I need them to say. Well, there's a part I have a, have to play in that, too. I need to share with them what is going on because they don't know, and, and they're not going to know unless I share with them. Um, so yeah, those were the emotions, very isolated and just the feeling of emptiness and this loss that was permanent. I couldn't get back. I couldn't get it back. Yeah. Yeah. So you must have gotten pregnant again pretty fast. Yes. Okay. Um, we, so the miscarriage happened in August of 2017. Okay. And... The first one, and then we got pregnant again in November, and we're so excited, but obviously overshadowed a little bit, a little hesitant this time. Um, and because of our fear, my husband and I decided let's not tell anyone. And I, I think that was the wrong choice looking back. Okay. Because um, <laughs> then did you run into the whole, like, I was pregnant again and I yes. miscarried again? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And also, letting fear make that choice allowed oh, fear so to make hard. all those choices. Yeah, make, yeah, yes. made it, yeah, so in, so we couldn't experience the joy of 
any step because we were just so afraid that we're going to lose it again. Um, yes. Which is so, you know, it, that's reality, but you can't let fear dictate your life like that. No, but in that moment, mm-hmm. man, is it strong. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. It just overpowers. I had a, mm-hmm. a recent podcast guest, the episode isn't out yet, but they specifically like in an effort to override that fear told everyone because she said even if I only get one day of joy at Mm. least I will have had some memory of enjoying this Mm. baby and I was like oh my gosh yeah that's really good yeah okay so but you guys decided not to for the Mm. second pregnancy kept it to yourselves a little bit optimistic or just totally scared shitless uh, we were trying to be optimistic. <laughs> okay. We were very scared, though. <laughs> I know. Yes, oh. so scared. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we tried to be optimistic. Um, Did you reach out to your doctor earlier? Did you do anything different? No, we didn't do anything different. We okay. just kept it. We just kept it to ourselves. We just held on to it so tight. Yeah. Like, then <laughs> and, it won't go away. Yes, oh. exactly. Yeah, I know that feeling, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so found out we were pregnant and then I think a week, week and a half later, um, we were sitting in church actually. And I, again, all of a sudden felt kind of crampy and then all of a sudden felt wetness and went to the bathroom. And this time it was a lot more dramatic. It was just, oh wow. And, um, that I I started hyperventilating. I think I may have had, you know, a panic attack of sorts. It was so, um, I don't know, dramatic. <laughs> and, um, like traumatic. Dramatic, traumatic. traumatic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And called my husband and, um, and, you know, he helped me get back to the car and we just held each other the rest of the day we knew what was happening and it just felt like a one-two punch like yes and and it was weird I I it felt like the baby left and came back it felt like the same person same soul that left and came back and but then it didn't want to stay and it, it left again um and but that time grief was different and it destroyed my foundation and that period of time probably the six months after that was a period of a very dark period for me um as far as the um the physical side of it it was a lot easier okay uh, than the the one at eight weeks um I didn't really pass um, a whole lot of tissue is mostly just little things and um, blood clots. I did go in to see my OB. Um, they wanted to confirm that I was actually pregnant, which was kind of strange to me because I knew I was pregnant. Yeah. Um, but I guess since it's so early, that's standard for them to want to actually check that I was pregnant. Um, they did do a vaginal ultrasound to see if if the the embryo was still still there um so again that was just horrific <laughs> but um no it was not there okay um so 
I had already passed it um, by the time I had the appointment. Um, but again, although they were so compassionate and loving towards me, again, they just didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> and it's also really hard to go into an OB clinic when right. you're miscarrying because you're surrounded by pregnant women. Yes. Um, and you're just in tears and they're all looking at you. What's wrong with you? Um, yeah, so I wish there's something better in that regard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so, um, yeah, go ahead. Did you ask for help this time with your family? I'm super curious. Were you more vocal about this is what I need or how did that go? That I wasn't at first. I was very closed off at first and it really wasn't until, um, six months later I, I definitely had some sort of panic attack. I was, um, and I'm, that's very new to me. And it was very scary for me to experience that. Okay. Um, I, like I said, the, the grief just really destroyed my foundation. So any sort of stressful thing that would happen would just rock me, even though normally it wouldn't. But that day I had a stressful day at work, um, but would normally not like, completely, you know, put me in tears, but that day, um, high stressful day at work and it, and it did, it just completely rocked me. And I was like having a panic attack and I was thinking about all these things and I had been trying again to get pregnant and I couldn't get pregnant. I think it's probably because of stress. Um, uh, but you know, I, I think, and then that day I also had another negative pregnancy test. So it just culminated in this panic attack (laughs) and, um, went home and, uh, husband talked to me and, um, and he just had like a tough love talk with me at the time really hurt, but it it was exactly what I needed to hear. And he said that you, he said, you need to stop, um, playing all of these things over in your head and thinking about how people aren't meeting you where you need to be met, thinking about all these negative pregnancy tests, obsessively following your cycle. You need to stop and, figure out how to move forward because you, this is not healthy. And for him to tell me, I don't think I could have heard that from anyone else but him because yeah. he is also grieving. Yes. And he knows me more than anyone and he loves me more than anyone. So for him to say that, it really put a mirror in front of me and made me realize, wow, I'm just... I'm, I'm letting this fester and it's not healing. And I, it, this isn't healthy, like he said. So to go back to, um, what you're asking about, I, very soon after that, it was mother's day. And so I was talking to my mom and, um, trying to avoid my complicated emotions in regards <laughs> to mother's day. Yes. And she, so brave. She, she said, I, I don't think you like talking about this, but, and I don't want to hurt you, but I need to talk to you about how you are doing. And I constantly am worried that you have gotten pregnant again and have lost another baby and I don't know about it because oh. of how closed off you are. And I just realized in that moment, wow, I am being so selfish in my grief, which is kind of strange to say, but 
I'm not letting people in. I'm not loving, letting my loved ones help Love me. you. Yeah. And so it's it all It's a great self-reflection. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And so all these conversations, being able to share my story with my loved ones finally and for them to, you know, and my mom, she grieved too. I mean, that was the loss of a grandchild. So for us to share Absolutely. that um, mm-hmm. was very healing to me. And so at that point, I decided I'm not going to feel awkward about, you know, if someone says, hey, are you trying? I, I, I just said, yeah, we're trying. Um, and actually, we've gotten pregnant, but we've had miscarriages. So from that point, I just felt like I'm going to be open about this. I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid about it being awkward or making someone else feel uncomfortable um, because it's so isolating to not share this huge thing that happened in our lives. And then after I started sharing, I learned that there are so many other women experiencing this same thing. <laughs> and waiting for someone to, cra- yes, waiting mm-hmm. for someone to crack the door open so they can yeah. say, oh, I know, and it's terrible. Right, yeah. Oh. So sharing the stories, sharing Good. my story, listening to other women's stories, listening yes. to your podcast, that, all those things are so healing to me um because there i mean obviously miscarriage is a physical thing but it's such an emotional thing and mental thing um because it's so it's not talked about there's no big ceremony uh to to commemorate the loss um to recognize it it's just all so hidden and i think that's what is really hard for women and you're just you know and most people if it's early most people don't even know you're pregnant so this Mm -hmm. huge thing just happened in your life and no one knows and everyone's going on as if everything is normal and at least for me that was the hardest part but sharing my story was very healing to me good that's Mm -hmm. so good did you do anything else was there something else after those six months that helped you kind of come out of the funk or was it really just sharing your story and being open about it? Um, I also, um, I, I journaled a lot. Okay. (laughs) That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. I, I journaled a lot during that time. Um, and I still had really bad days. It wasn't like, Oh, all of a sudden I'm shiny and new (laughs) but it helps the emotions move through you though yes yeah yeah Yeah, move through you right instead of it just being all stuck stuck inside and I viewed it as this wound that um and I think I've said this a couple times it festered but when I decided to really face my grief head-on and face this thing that happened to me head-on it was like Opening up the wound, cleaning it out, sewing it back up, and putting the bandage on. And every once in a while, something would open that wound up. You know, if I saw a friend get pregnant or, I don't know, another negative pregnancy test, that wound would open up, but I was brave enough now to sew it back up, put the bandage back on, instead of just ignoring it (laughs) and let it get infected again. Um... And I think I never had grief like this before. So something that I learned is time does not 
heal grief. You have to actively heal yourself. Um, time kind of dulls the rawness of it, um, but, but it's have still going to the be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you're journaling, you're being more mm-hmm. open about it, mm-hmm. still trying. Yes, still trying. For a third pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then, at some yeah. point, you got at another point, positive. Right. Yeah, so I decided... Um, so also in the process of healing, I decided I'm not going to obsessively track my cycle. I'm not going to obsessively take pregnancy tests. (laughs) So I, you know, just put all those away and I decided that in, I think May or June and then in July I got pregnant. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think stress has a a lot to do with your reproductive health. I think it does. I mean, at least for oh, me. Oh, it does. Too. And that cortisol, yeah. your body's like, yeah. I mean, you, you know, from a biology perspective, mm-hmm. the body's like fight or flight. You can't have a yeah. baby right now. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so yes. yeah, when I let it go and just didn't obsess about it anymore. Uh, yeah, I got pregnant. And this time, um, we made a conscious effort to not let fear make these decisions for us. And so we told our loved ones immediately. And my thought was, let's tell the people we would tell if we had a miscarriage. Exactly. That's exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what we did. And, and we told them, Hey, you know, we're five weeks. It's very early. We're realistic. And, you know, chances are it's, we're going to lose it again, but we want to, we want to share the whole journey with you. So I think it was good for us, but I think our families really appreciated being let in on that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in that pregnancy... Um, How were you feeling? I mean, did, yeah. did you have different symptoms early on? Yes, and... I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, first, the, two, the first two pregnancies, I only felt fatigued. That, those were really... That, and I, I felt... Uh, tenderness in my breast, but mm-hmm. those two things are really the only symptoms. And this third pregnancy, uh, symptoms were different. I felt nauseous right off the bat. Um, my breasts got bigger really fast, um, fatigued. Uh, I started showing uh, things that didn't happen the first time around. Um, and I mentioned earlier that the the first two pregnancies, I felt like it was the same soul that came, left, came again, and left again. But and? this time, it it felt like a different person. Okay. And it felt like a stronger, more resilient human. <laughs> I don't Aww, know. If that that's sounds beautiful. Weird. That's and, not weird to me. No, okay. <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah. And I, and any time I felt any wetness. Or any time, really, I went to the bathroom. I always braced myself for the sight of blood. And I just felt this little person saying, no, no, Mom, I'm here for the long run. So you just better enjoy this. You better stop panicking and being paranoid because we're going to be here for a while. Um, (laughs) And gearing up for the eight-week appointment, I had a lot of anxiety. (laughs) But... 
I every day just captured those thoughts and I saw them and I captured them and I didn't let myself get into that spiral of anxiety um, because the you know the first miscarriage that was when we found out there was no heartbeat was at the eight-week appointment but yeah at this eight-week appointment um, there was a heartbeat and it was strong and beautiful and she measured at um, eight weeks which is you know where she should have been and oh relief <laughs> seriously so much relief did it just feel surreal Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. It did. It did. Wow. Um, and we were still realistic, I think. Um, still, you know, realistic that it, we could still lose this baby. But we, instead of choosing fear, we, we chose joy. And, in Love fact, that. we gave her, her middle name is Joy. Oh. For that reason. Perfect. And, um... And it's also my mom's first name, so it kind of worked out. Oh, um, <laughs> but yeah, we that was kind of my mantra throughout my whole pregnancy was choosing joy over fear. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's lots of little twinges and lots of little, ooh, that was kind of weird feeling. And every time that happened, I thought, oh my gosh, it's, you know, I'm going to lose her. I'm going to lose her. But no, she, st- she stuck around and she's a healthy, beautiful baby. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I found uh, with my rainbow baby that mm-hmm. once I could feel him kick, mm-hmm. my anxiety went a lot. It went down a lot. Did you find that as well? I found that too, but then when she wouldn't kick. <laughs> oh, God. Poking, poking, poking. Yeah. Yeah. Are you there? Hello? Are you there? Or, you know, they have you time or count the kicks yep. within a certain amount of time. And if it ever wasn't, you know, I just, yeah, I, I would be concerned. But, yes, feeling feeling her was, it did relieve a lot of the anxiety, for sure. And then what about when you delivered her? Seeing her, holding her, having it really, really materialize. Um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um... I think the losses made me appreciate every moment throughout yes. the whole pregnancy. I felt so lucky to be pregnant, and I loved every symptom, even the bad ones. <laughs> I yeah. loved them because it meant that the normal things were happening. Yeah. And when I delivered her, I there was a moment before I delivered her where the midwife had me reach down and touch her because her head was was in um the birthing canal so I could kind of reach in and and touch her head and Mm -hmm. they had me do that to kind of visualize where she was in space (laughs) to kind of help me get to the end and even then even when I could touch her head it still didn't hit me that there was an actual baby (laughs) coming out until um I was able to actually deliver her and catch her myself, and uh-huh. brought her up to my chest, and uh, yeah, I was in complete shock um, for a little bit, and I, I don't, I think my first words were, this is my baby, I think, oh. um, but yeah, seeing her, it just was a life-changing moment, the most amazing moment um, to see her, and yeah, this is my baby. <laughs> After all of that, right, yeah. 
after the losses and, you know, those first pregnancy tests, that's the moment you picture and then it doesn't yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. So for yeah. it to then come to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's Very so lucky. beautiful. What else would you like to share with everyone listening? Any insight? Any You shared a lot, but anything else yeah. that... I think another thing I'd like to touch on that I haven't talked about is the your partner's role in yes. this whole thing. Um, I have the most incredible, gentle, loving, understanding husband and could not have gotten out of that dark time without his constant love and companionship. And he was grieving too. So even though he was grieving, he was supporting me in my grief. And at the beginning, I felt like it was really selfish of me to burden him with my grief because he was grieving too. But I, we, once we started talking through it and, you know, just letting it all out, letting, you know, our anger towards God, our, our doubts, um, why is this happening? You know, just all of that. Once we both got it out and we realized that carrying our cumulative grief together made it lighter and, Walking together in the grief is so much easier than being isolated on your own trying to figure it out. And and we found that we could help each other. So, you know, at some points, one person was lower than another person. When that person's pieces were all a mess, the other person could protect that person until they could get the pieces together. So having that communication open and just, I think it's just so important and I wouldn't have gotten through it without my husband. Um, And I think realizing that he was grieving, but grieving differently was, um, was something that we butted heads on because for me, I lost motherhood. I lost a child and I felt like I should be a mom right now. Where are my kids? <laughs> but he didn't really sense the loss of fatherhood, and I think it's because yeah, in I think it might be because that baby was growing inside of me. Well, you have the hormones and, going crazy. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm yeah, I'm seeing all the changes in my own body. You're I'm connecting with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he has none of that. Um, and and. For us, it was early, so I wasn't really even showing. Um, So he explained it that he felt like it was a loss of this potential life that all of a sudden we have envisioned for ourselves in the next year. It was the loss of that dream for him. Um, And so talking through that and figuring out, okay, this is what you're grieving, this is what I'm grieving, this is how I'm expressing my grief... And it's different than how you're expressing yours. And it's, you know, it's not all emotions and, and crying like it is for me, but it's, you are still grieving. Recognizing that was really good for us as a couple. Very helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And helpful for parenthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now with the little one to be able to communicate. Right. Yeah. Communication is everything. Yes. 
thank you so much for sharing yes thank everything. you for having me yeah yeah and congratulations on the little rainbow it's mm-hmm, such a little beam of light for mm-hmm. everyone listening i know good i wanted to tell you um how much i appreciate what you're doing um because i found your podcast during that really dark period and yeah it just made me realize i'm not alone and also just the educational part of it too of hearing all the options and all the different things women have been through um there's just there's not enough out there for us to understand what exactly could go wrong (laughs) yes um so i from the bottom of my heart really appreciate what you're doing i think it's amazing and um i have um sent your podcast to so many of my friends and it's been helpful to so many women in my own circle so what you're doing is huge thank you yeah thank you so much thank you ah it doesn't get old hearing that let me tell you because this is hard this is hard to do (laughs) hey you stay connected find us on instagram at managing miscarriage on facebook at miscarriage nonprofit and don't forget to download the free e-guide on our website managingmiscarriage.com please rate and review this podcast to help other women find us and consider sharing your story hang in there mama